That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So you want to be a rock and roll star? No? Well, how about a podcast star? Well, as it turns out, there's a new all-in-one platform just for you. It's called Anchor, and it's the easiest way to make a podcast. And check this out. It's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. And then Anchor will distribute the podcast for you. So it can be heard on Spotify and Apple Podcast and, you know, everywhere else in, uh, in podcast land. And what's even better, you can actually make money from your podcast. Go figure. Uh, no minimum listenership on that. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So go ahead, download the free Anchor app right now or go to anchor.fm to get started. So what are you waiting for? Podcast stardom is within your reach. Are you ready for season three of Discography? Yeah! We're jumping into the deep end of The Who. Not only will we go through every Studio Who album in great detail, but their story is often told between albums, so we'll be touching on non-album singles, the solo works of Keith Moon, John Entwistle, Roger Daltrey, and Pete Townsend, and some of the events that would make a record begin as a concept and land as something that would universally change the world. Discography returns to Consequence Podcast Network in January of 2019. Until then, be lucky. Consequence Podcast Network. Hey, welcome to another edition of Kyle Meredith With. It's an audio interview series presented by WFPK Independent Louisville at WFPK.org. Consequence of Sound and the Consequence Podcast Network. Uh, Before we get started... Make sure to hit that subscribe button wherever you're listening from right now. You might be checking us out on uh, on Spotify or YouTube, Apple Podcasts and iTunes. Anywhere you get your podcast from, you can hit that subscribe button. We put out interviews every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at Consequence of Sound, and would love to keep you up to date on all of those. I'm Kyle Meredith. Today, my guest is Jenny Lewis. She is always one of my all-time favorite people to talk to especially when she's got a brand new record out, and that she does. We're going to be talking about the new record, On the Line, which we got to catch up a little bit with last summer in 2018. So I've got some questions from that interview that were sort of left with an ellipses, and we're going to get those answers as well. Plus, do you know the band that's on this record, the the, the folks backing her up? Ringo Starr, Bent Montench, Beck, Don was Jim Keltner. That it's it's massive, and she's going to tell us what that experience was like. We're going to talk about some of the songs like Red Bull and Hennessy and Heads Are Gonna Roll, Little White Dove, and then all the things beyond the record. She's going to go on tour with Death Cab this summer. Will there be a chance for some Postal Service songs? I'm going to ask that one as well. And did you know that she's on the new Vampire Weekend? 
In fact, one of the first singles they put out of this uh, this new record, uh, the song 2021, you can hear her on. So we'll get that story as well. There's a lot happening. It's Kyle Meredith with Jenny Lewis. Hey, Kyle. How you doing? Pretty, pretty, pretty good. <laughs> a most excellent way to start this out. Already already with the bonus <laughs> points. It's great to talk to you again. Great to talk to you again. I, I, I did want to tell you, I think this is the very first interview that I used a recent interview of my own to do the research on because you and I just talked a little bit, what, at the uh, last summer at the Forecastle Festival. We sure did. And, and, and You're I... always the first person I talk to, it seems. <laughs> is, is that right? <laughs> I'll take that. Well, I thought, you know, this, that almost makes this uh, incestuous research is, is what I'm calling it this time around. So that's, that's the first for me as well. <laughs> I, I, I'll say though, while we were talking last summer, I, I asked you. I said you've been you've been hashtagging these these words on the line, and is it your album title? And you played very coy with me because you had to or wanted to. I don't know, but it turns out that's the album title. I'm, I was on the right track. That is the album title, and I don't know if I was being coy with you or if I hadn't arrived at a, an album title. So, so not completely the last part of the process for me, because it's hard to kind of encapsulate the feeling of 11, 10 or 11 songs with a title. So that's always the last, the last um, step for me. So I think at that time I was playing with it to see if I liked the way that it looked (laughs) and felt. (laughs) So, so I'll ask now then, what is it about those three words that, that speak for these, you know, 10, 11 tracks? Well, I think um, people will have their own ideas about that as they hear the record. But for me, there there are many different meanings on the line. You know, just when someone's got your heart on the line, and you're just you're just waiting. Also, the idea that being sort of on the line between two versions of yourself, being a, a woman, a professional woman, you know, making sacrifices for your work and your art, and sort of. Being on the line, you know, at the, the brink of your mortality. And, I mean, there, there are so many. And then there's the obvious, just, you know, hanging on the line. Well, I was going to say, I think you told me at that point also that you were an old phone collector. So there was also a bit of a, a sort of a literal side to it as well. I, I do. I, I collect old uh, rotary phones. And I still have a landline, landline, which I'm speaking to you from. At my house in Los Angeles, I'm think, I think I'm one of the few people that still has an active landline. And let me tell you, it sounds good. It sounds beautiful. You're coming in so crystal clear. <laughs> it's analog. Analog, man. <laughs> uh, well, let's, let's get into this record then. I mean, there's so many great things to talk about it. Of course, you did it in the legendary Capitol Studio B, and the lineup is mind-blowing. Um, and, and I'll name the, some of the names here, too. Ringo Starr, Ben Montench, Beck, Jim Keltner, Don Was. I mean, this is the band. How did this happen? This has to be such the experience. Yeah, yeah. This is this is the band. I've I've never made a record like this before. I you know I put together bands for each of my solo records, and that's part of the joy of being a solo artist. You really get to work with whoever you reach out to, and I've been really lucky to play with some amazing people in the past. Jonathan Wilson, Blake Mills, so many great musicians. But this group was next level. I mean, just based on the fact that I think all of them, or almost all of them, have played with Bob Dylan, which is uh, mind-blowing. Right. And they're all on 
your favorite rock and roll songs and you don't even know it. Jim Keltner is the heartbeat of rock and roll. I mean, he's on, he played with John Lennon. Um, so to get all of these men in the room together, it was just fascinating just listening to them chat. But then to have them contribute to your songs, it was just unbelievable. Yeah. And, and they were really listening. You know, Keltner would come up to me after a take and say, wow, man. He's like, we're just, you know, cruising along and there's that melody. And then he's like, and then you're like, wow, did she just say that? <laughs> I mean, at, at any point, do you have to kind of set aside the the uh, the legacy of what's in the room and, you know, and focus on the song? Did you ever have to have that moment? Well, I knew I had to have my songs finished before I went in the studio. And that that's all I had control over. I knew my songs were done and they were ready to be presented. Beyond that, I was just trying to not totally freak out and be super nervous. I had to breathe through a couple of moments before cutting the songs. But really, I think those guys don't get to make records like that all the time anymore. Mm -hmm. It's really rare that you record live in a room like that. That's not really how we record. So I think it was exciting and enticing to play live. You told me that last summer in that interview that uh, that you never get invited to the good parties where, where all the uh, the famous people are. And, and I think now's a good time to call bullshit on that one a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess that was the best party of all. That's right. Um, and, and, and I'll bring up one more thing that I wanted to ask about that one because you, you said there were a lot of mentors for this record. And maybe you were talking about these folks right here, but... But if there were more, who were the other mentors for this record? Well, you know, this record was a process, and it took a couple of years. And I, you know, I started it at, at Capitol. Um, we spent about five days there. And then I worked on it relentlessly after that. So that was about two years ago we were at Capitol. Don was, who played bass on most of the record, he was incredibly helpful. But then ultimately Beck came in and really helped me. He really mentored the record. I was at a point where I didn't know how to finish it by myself. I didn't, I really was kind of in the weeds with it. And he stepped in and we ended up recording uh, three new songs that I had written together with that band. But just overall, he his presence was really, really helpful. And then the mixer, Sean Everett, mm -hmm. who's an incredible mixer here in Los Angeles, he was able to separate from the sessions and the, the legends, and then he took it in a completely different sonic direction. So this is, this is live music in the room, but then through Sean's prism, which is very modern. Mm -hmm. And in, in the mix room, we were listening to a lot of hip-hop at the time, so that ended up informing the mix. That's Which is so cool to me. You right, know, it's, right. not, it's not like a straight singer-songwriter record. I mean, it is in the way that we cut it, but there's this whole other layer. I mean, this record went through so many different prisms, so many different people. It took a whole community of people to get it done. And, and well, I, I do love the songs, especially the ones you've released so far. And I, I was, I, I may be pulling a thread here that, that doesn't actually exist, but just judging even from the song titles, I said, you know, Red Bull and Hennessy says something in a, as a song title, and then Party Clown and Wasted Youth. <laughs> I mean, it seemed like there's definitely some kind of theme happening uh, around there. It's your girl. I'm a party clown. 
What can I say? But what I can I say except I don't recommend that as a cocktail recipe. It's a song title, so keep that in mind. <laughs> right, right. But, it, I mean, it, it does play that, that side of things, you know, whereas you might be talking about, I guess there's some levity to it. I mean, on the other side of it, I know that, you know, some of this, I, I think as I've read anyway, has to do with a breakup. Your mom also passed away, and that was, that was I know, a, a big part of it. I mean, one of the songs comes from that, right? Little White Dove? Yeah, yeah, that one I wrote. And it always feels so weird talking about this stuff. It's so personal. It's like, this is my life. This is like the stuff that went down. But I can't help but put it into my work. That's how I survive, and that's my inspiration. But then when we have these interviews, it's like, oh, God, like talking about my mother who passed. But it's true. It's all true. I, You know, she was very sick, and I would write this song every day, visiting her in the hospital, in the hallways and in my car, in the parking lot. I was too afraid to get out of the car and standing by her bedside. And our relationship was very complicated. But that song really helped me get through that period, which is a testament to the magic of music. Mm-hmm. How magical that I can have that to lean on and then put out into the world. And hopefully it can be of service out in the universe. Well, you know, to to stick with that darker subject, I guess, uh, it was also an interesting time because because Pe- Tom Petty had just passed away, and, and there you had Bentmont in the studio as well. I mean, was that pre- was that felt? Was that you know a, a heavy experience in itself? Was it noticeable? It was. Well, you could feel it. You could feel the energy. I mean, and music is energy, and you're in the room. It's on there, man. It's on those tracks. Yeah. yeah, you could feel it. I, but that's life. Right. This is what we do. We play music. Yeah. And hopefully we're lucky enough to play music for, first of all, so we don't have to have day jobs. That's like <laughs> my whole goal in life. <laughs> and then we get to play it with our friends and mentors and heroes, and it helps us get through the tough stuff. Well, I'll ask about something else entirely. Uh, with Heads Gonna Roll, uh, these lyrics are very, very specific. I, I, you know, I don't know if this is a character story or what, but when you're talking about a narcoleptic, uh, narcoleptic poet from Duluth. It's true in that the feeling is true. Whatever you derive from the feeling of that song is true. Mm-hmm. It's about me, that song. The details aren't that important, but there's always, there's always a little truth in there. <laughs> It's. I love Always it. In there. Yeah. No. I, it's one of my well, favorites. People I've ask me. Uh, people sometimes ask me, or I ask other songwriters. You know, like, why do you write songs? Yeah. You, know, you know, I asked my friend, uh, and he said, "Well, I write songs to get the attention of girls, or I, to get the attention of a girl." And he asked me, you know, why do you write songs? And I said, "For revenge." <laughs> For revenge. <laughs> wow. <laughs> For revenge. <laughs> You know what? You tweeted something recently, and you said retweet if your emo is fuck. And I thought, what a nice follow-up to nice as fuck. And I wondered who would be in that band with you, especially considering what you just said right there. (laughs) Oh, well, you can only imagine. And that was so funny because I realized in that moment that you could really get people to retweet stuff (laughs) if you tell them to retweet things. Sure. And I was trying to think of, like, the thing that was totally retweetable. And, you know, not offensive. Um, but it's true. I am, I am emo as fuck. I started in an emo band. And uh, I'm, I'm not ashamed of that. <laughs> Nor should you be. 
Not at all. <laughs> uh, speaking of other bands, I, I, I had to know, you're going to be hitting the road with Death Cab this summer, and, and it seems like that's perfect potential for some collaborating with Ben. Any chance whatsoever that we could possibly hear Postal Service songs while we're out there? Well, I have always deferred to Ben on this subject, so we'll see. Uh, ben is one of my closest friends, and he's always there for me. When I finish an album and I've got the mixes and I'm putting the album in order, I always send it to Ben first and ask him to put it in, in order for me. And he does it every time, and he's so thoughtful. And I really wish I had taken his advice on Acetongue, the album. He told me to put Acetongue first, which I think would have been really, really cool. He's always right. Ben is just always right. He's just like, he. I call him dad. <laughs> I'm like, dad. Help me out. I don't know what to do. And he's like, okay, I'll call you in 10 minutes. I got gotcha. you. Thanks, Dad. I oh. really needed that. It's nice to have those folks in your life right there. Oh. oh, yeah. And we're on this journey together. You know, it's like we started out as kids in a band, in a van, and we've like managed to like maintain a career after 20 years. And, you know, there aren't that many of us yeah. who survived that. So it's so great to just have someone that I trust that can counsel me through these. Uh, rock and roll moments how did you end up on the new vampire weekend record because you're on uh what's the song oh you're on 2021 right i am yes i so (laughs) this is a funny story so a friend of mine left a keyboard in my garage after he played here in los angeles and the keyboard belonged to ariel reichstad who produced the vampire weekend record Mm -hmm. and so i texted ariel i was like hey man what do you want me to do with this keyboard? It's in my garage. He's like, all right, well, if you don't mind bringing it by. And so I brought it by this big keyboard. I like schlepped it up the hill and uh, dropped it off. And Ezra was in the studio and they were finishing the Vampire Weekend record. And they said, hey, do you want to hear a couple songs from the record? I'm a huge Vampire Weekend fan. I was like, yes, please. And one song became, I don't know, 20 or however many are on the record. And then Ezra was like, oh, hey, while you're here, would you mind uh, singing this line for the record? I said, well, yeah, of course. So I just sort of off the cuff in returning something, doing a favor for a friend, ended up on the new Vampire Weekend record. Nicely done. Funny how those little moments work. It suddenly makes <laughs> you look. Like that. Yeah, it suddenly makes you look even busier than you might be just because you're, you're now everywhere. You know, it's. I know. It's funny how the timing of this works out where it was really just like I, you know, wanted to get this keyboard out of my garage. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I'll end because our mutual friends, the Watson Twins, also had put out their record recently, and I didn't know. Did, did you get a chance to listen to that one? Of course, of course, I did, and I think it's I think it's their finest album. It's fantastic, and Rolling Thunder has to be one of the best singles they've done. I swear. Oh man, they have just like I just feel like they've figured it out. Uh, the, initially, you know, they wrote separately and sang their own songs uh, separately, which I also loved. But I think the unique thing about being a twin is that you've got like a clone. And so when you sing with yourself or your twin sister, it's this sound that no one else can duplicate. Duplicate. So it's just so special to hear them embracing their twinness. You know, twins are so funny. Like, I don't think when they became teenagers, they dressed alike. Mm-hmm. I think their mom probably dressed them alike when they were kids, but then when they became teenagers, they're like, well, we want to kind of like assert our sort of individuality. But to 
kind of go back to that formative state of being a twin and just letting that be the thing because it's so it's so amazing to watch them and it's so amazing to be in the room with them because they just like Chandra will come up to me and say tell me a story and then walk away and then five minutes later Lee will come up to me and tell me the same exact story (laughs) I'm like I just got the lowdown from your sister I got it it was always really special what you all did uh, musically with each other in the past. And, of course, we're big fans of them. But uh, but I will also say I, I really can't say enough things, uh, good things about the, your new record as well. It's so good, Jenny. It really is. Thank you, Kyle. I, it, it's so – you make something – well, I, I, you know, it takes years to get this stuff written and done. And I know I take a minute between records, but that's because I'm – living my life and navigating through that. And then also it takes a minute to process, but it's scary once you have, you know, you've been incubating something for so long and you put it out into the world and it's just like a scary period before it's out there. But I feel so good about, I feel like it's a really pure record and it is my soul music continued. So I hope uh, people listen with open hearts. Yeah. A perfect sentiment to end this interview on right there. It's always great talking to you. I really do appreciate it. And, uh, and hopefully we'll see you around on the, uh, on the road. Yes. Uh, thanks, Kyle. And we'll talk to you very soon, All I'm right. sure. All right. Take care. Thank you. Always grateful to talk with Jenny Lewis. That new record is called On the Line. You know, we, we talked a lot about the interview from last summer, and it's already in this series, but I'm going to go ahead and uh, clip it on now. for So for you uh, you diehard Jenny Lewis fans or, or folks who's just curious what in the world we were talking about with all of those moments, this is my interview with uh, Jenny Lewis from the Forecastle Festival in 2018. So I'm going to close my eyes mm-hmm. while we talk. Okay. So I can pretend we're on the radio. So pretend we're on the radio and we're on the phone. Because you I'm, prefer doing interviews on the phone. You know what? It's this paper right here. And I figured this out, by the way. It, it, must be, um, it must be a manners type of thing because I feel like when I'm talking with someone, I need to make the eye contact and all that. And when I'm in person, I can't uh, look at my paper as much as I like Don't to. Don't worry about it. My eyes are closed. <laughs> Your eyes are closed. All right. Well, anyway, so last time you were here, uh, we were, we were, there, was a, there was an after party. Uh, Kevin Ratterman. Works with my morning jacket a lot, yeah. And I saw you, but you were wearing a horse head mask, and that's uh. I was. You were wearing a horse head mask. That can't be the first time you've done that. You look so natural doing it. I don't know what you're saying, but (laughs) I'm not into that sort of thing. But I, I don't recall. I, I do recall doing a duet Uh with the dude from Cage the Elephant. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you remember that? I don't remember. Because they must were sort of spontaneous. Yeah, they kept it re- like um, going the whole time. Yeah, yeah. and so uh, Jim was also there. Jim James uh-huh. playing saxophone for a long time. He ripped the sax, ripped it for like I had, that was like a thirty-minute solo. Yeah, and then Matt and I sang a song that he wrote. This that was a legendary night. It's it's all recorded apparently. Every what? every time they've done oh, that. That's right. They have a the, yeah. It was all recorded. But I don't remember the horse. <laughs> Mask. <laughs> there was just yeah, it was it was a horse. I don't know the story of it. When I walked in, because you and I had done an, a quick interview beforehand, and I walked in and I was like, oh, because of the outfit you were or whatever. It was like, there's Jenny Lewis now in a uh, horse yeah. mask, whatever. I was probably sipping that uh, reposados. <laughs> These are the days of our lives. 
my favorite soap. Is that is that the one? That was the one, mm. like on and off, where, where you'd come in five years later. It's like right. the same thing is going on, the same story. Same I remember characters. getting pulled into all my children when I was like twelve. I would watch like Gary Shandling, Tracy Ullman, all my children. Wow, all my children is the wild card, and that that was pack. the one got sucked into it because you don't think you'll ever get sucked into a soap opera until you watch like three episodes and then you're in then you're in did you see the gary shandling documentary first part so good so i haven't done the second part yet so i don't know how it ends (laughs) you know (laughs) spoiler alert (laughs) spoiler alert no no the first part was fantastic it was yeah oh man so uh really inspiring the mentor part of it, I don't know if you've gotten there yet, but he's like mm-hmm. always like mentored other comics and well, especially coming from you know the Apatow eyes, you know the voice, the narrative of it, you kind of get that from the beginning. So, but yeah. Apatow is so grateful oh, and yeah. reverent, and it's so nice to see that relationship when it works, right? Because when it doesn't work, it's like the master, the movie. Uh huh. Um, but that also works. Yeah. But that's such like an interesting dynamic: the mentor and the mentee, it's and the, the mentee often or always surpasses the mentor yeah well i was gonna say it's just nice that somebody's waving the flag the uh the gary shandling flag you know it's i don't know that uh i don't know you know, i mean somebody had to make that i don't know that it would have been made if it hadn't been for Apatel, he so. defined that kind of style of tv comedy show oh yeah right it's like responsible yeah. for did you office. have it i, I i'm so, totally asking the la question here did you have did, did you know him at all was there any run-ins in your careers no but yeah. i think ryan adams uh-huh. was friends with him mm-hmm and maybe he even like jammed at Pac Sam. There's always weird <laughs> people jamming at Pac Sam, like Johnny Depp, yeah, who I've never met either. I don't get the call when the celebs are over. Not there. when that's happening. No. But you have been there at Pac Sam. <clears throat> yes. Is that where you're working right now? Is that where you're recording? Uh, no, I did the Voyager mm-hmm. there, mm-hmm. and um, we did a little bit for that for this record at Pax. Yeah. But then we went over to Capitol. And recorded there in Studio B. Ooh, legendary, legendary capital. Yeah, is Ryan still a part of it, or was it just that little part there? Um, no, he's not. But yeah, I'm mixing with Sean Everett. Right. So Sean Everett mm-hmm. is a great mixer and producer, and he uh, recorded the War on Drugs record gotcha. and mixed it, and mixed the Alabama Shakes record, and really has helped me understand the album that I'm making and it's been so many people have mentored the album uh, and Sean is kind of like the last link in the chain to help me get it done and what, get it out there what's 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 the issue I mean to, to realize the record well it's just it's taken a minute just some shit happened mm-hmm. <clears throat> my mom passed away in Octo- on Friday the 13th in October Jeez. And that was sort of like in, you know, so uh, things just kind of rolled out as life happens. As life happens, yeah. And uh, I, I've had this album, you know, throughout the whole process, and it's like evolved and become a version of itself that I'm really, uh, I'm really proud of. So. Yeah. I, I don't want to go, I don't mean to take it to the dark place if you don't want to, but but that was that was sort of part of the story of the last record too wasn't it was was your your father my ex-boyfriend mm-hmm. said to me when i started making this record he's like just be sure when you start talking about this record that you don't say that it was you were you wrote it in the hardest period of your life he's like cuz you say that every single time <laughs> i'm like well maybe it's true <laughs> whatever because the hardest period is always when business. you're right yeah 
No, I'm, so, I'm sorry yes, to hear that. It was hard. Yeah. I'm, so, I'm really <laughs> no, sorry to hear that. No, it, it, I think just art cycles, mm. and so does, you know, just growing up. Right, right. Well, I, I, I did get to hear a few of the songs, of course, on stage a minute ago. I, I don't know if that's represented the full album or not. Obviously, I'm only getting a small slice. It, it does seem like a mellow record, if that's fair, uh, the songs I heard. I wouldn't say mellow. Yeah. Definitely not, like, spiritually mellow. Well, again, first listens, I'm never really able to always pick up on everything you're just trying to and it's live and i was side stage on top of that so it's like well and it's new songs in a festival set yeah. before people know them right which is always like a tricky thing to do because you just want to play all your new shit because you think it's the dopest shit <laughs> but like no one really wants to hear new songs in a live setting i mean i was able to sing along with i don't remember now but i was able to sing along with one of them by the end of it so that was that's oh. always nice and there was something about south by southwest too oh yeah there uh there's a song called party clown that's a Faustian tale about South by Southwest. Uh, your own tale or someone else's? It's it's everyone's tale. Okay. <laughs> We're just chasing our own tales. Because that's a, endlessly. Yeah, that's a mess. Over I'm ta- there, I'm so. chasing tale tales. I'm chasing tales. Tale. I'm trying tales. to figure out what that means. Tale. That's all. Yeah. <laughs> chasing tail so, is different than chasing tales. I'm chasing. <laughs> that should be my epitaph. Yeah. Uh, chasing tales. Chasing tales. <laughs> 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 Always on there. So, uh, mellow, I, don't, I wouldn't say mellow. Okay, all right. But I'm deep in it. I don't know how to. I'll figure it out when I get there. It. No, and you didn't know should hear you. that shit. I would love to. Get it out there, and I will. <laughs> I'm trying. Um, does on the line mean anything for this record? Is that something? Yeah, I've seen the hashtag around. There's a phone on stage. I think there's something in the pic- one of the pictures, I too. that hashtag. You, well. Is it for any reason? Am I sleuthing here, or just uh, is this a Sometimes dead end? Sometimes I just start shit from my Twitter, just for my own, uh-huh. to like help the process along. So yeah, I was the one that made the online <laughs> hashtag. There, there aren't many retweets. But. <laughs> well, when we're looking to grasp at anything, suddenly it's like it's a clue, and there's a phone on stage. Right. You're messing with our heads. I wish someone had called me up there tonight. That would have been so nice. <laughs> Is is it what is that a rotary phone? Can someone? Yeah, I I collect phones. I have for years. Yeah. Just like at antique malls, I get rotary phones. So I was like, oh, that maybe I'll just bring them on stage because they're just sitting in my house. And I, I do have a landline, so I use one of them. Still listed in the phone book? Uh, hope not. <laughs> All right, well, I'll, I'll, I'll quit reaching here for the new album uh, as much until we can actually hear it. But I, I do want to ask about a, a few of the other things. So the most recent thing, of course, we heard from you was Nice as Fuck. It puts you back in a band environment. Um, I mean, sure well, did. I don't know if that's, that's fair to say because you have a band in your solo life. But did that, was that different? Was that, Oh yeah. you know? Oh, yeah, because Tennessee is one of my best friends. Mm. And uh, it, it happened really naturally and sweetly. I moved to New York, and she had a shop in the East Village called the Deep End Club. Mm-hmm. And I would just go there every day and hang out with her and just kind of loiter in her shop. And she's a great drummer, and her dad is also a great drummer, Pete Thomas. Mm-hmm. He plays with uh, Elvis Costello, mm-hmm. has for many years. And so I kind of schemed a plan with Pete, her dad, to get her playing drums again because she had kind of taken a little break. So we set up a flat drum kit for her in her shop. And I got a mic, and then we asked our friend Erica to come and play bass with us, and we were just a shop band, and just kind of jamming in her shop, and then, like, people would wander in and, like, try to buy a t-shirt. And she'd be like, oh, get out of here. 
but, uh, so yeah, but then, you know, it was like a fully democratic uh, band experience, you know. Well, I, I'm going to use awesome. that word. You said democratic because you made your live debut during the Republican National Convention, the RNC. I think it was on Colbert. At least that's the first time we saw you. And I thought... Well, our first uh, actual show... So we wrote a bunch of songs in the shop. Mm-hmm. And then my friend Matt Ward, M. Ward, mm-hmm. was in town. And I was like, come by the Deep End Club. And so he came over to just see us and say what's up and saw us play our little pieces of songs and he's like I want you to open up for me on tour this summer or like in the like three months from then and uh, so because Matt asked us we had to get our shit together to make a record (laughs) and have stuff to play on tour opening for so we opened for Matt but we we made a pact to only play on the floor so NAF always set up on the floor of the venue with the crowd around us. Oh, wow. And the crowd on the stage. Yeah. So opening for Matt, he let us set up on the floor. And, uh, yeah, pretty fun. That's cool. Well, yeah, then, I, but that's, yeah, what I was thinking is, oh, here they are, a band born out of an era. And I guess I was tying that more to the uh, the Colbert show and all that stuff. And I don't know. I, I just started looking at it. And, and the timelines worked out with so many different things. I mean, beyond the, um, you know, the nicest fuck you put you in a band, I thought, you know, according to whatever notes I'm finding online, Rello Kylie's turning 20, which is the last band. And I don't know if that 20 means anything at this point or if that's really the date or anything like that. 20, yeah. 20, that means a lot. 98. That's crazy. Yeah. You, you're the timekeeper. I didn't know. I like I anniversaries. Know 90, let me take you. So 98. Time is somewhat irrelevant. In art? It will, or it's nonlinear. Yeah. We time travel a lot. Yeah. You know, I mean, that's sort of a different thing altogether but like R- rilo kylie is happening right now simultaneously on <laughs> yeah. another in sure. another zone someone else in the, in the other simulation or the other level of <laughs> right, the game right it's still happening it's still happening where it's rehappening or something like that but 20 years is a long time yeah and yeah i don't know the significance except that i'm like 42 now <laughs> <laughs> well there's a, such an accolade 42. that came out of that yeah because uh, rolling stone just named portion for fox is one of the greatest songs of the century. Why do you think I played it today? I heard it. Well, I didn't know that you always I don't know that you always no, play it or not. No, I saw I saw that thing. Someone tweeted it at yeah. me and I was like, damn, that's so cool. So we learned it. I haven't really played that too much. I played it once with Blake from Rilo Kylie at Coachella. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah. I mean, I don't know. What is that? The news comes through? Does Again, lists are lists and, you know, and, and whatever. But you know, There's not much activity over there. It's like, I see it if it comes in. <laughs> I guess what I'm saying is, <laughs> in, in the world that we play in, the sandbox that we play in, rock and roll, yes. and the canon of rock and roll and the history, and how we lift songs up, how we put songs on pedestals, artists on pedestals. This is talked about Y'all in like that lists. How can you Y'all love like lists. lists? You know what I mean? Like, people want to, like, make a list, and it's, like, very tidy. Yeah. This is the best of the best. But I'm but sure you've got your light songs. In the attic? Light in the attic. Just... Uh, you know, records that weren't recognized mm-hmm. that are mm-hmm. fucking awesome. Like You're talking about the record label that puts yeah. all this stuff together. Yeah, yeah, just okay. those yeah. reissues. Mm-hmm. We're like, this is a genius record. No right. one heard it in 1973, but here you go, hipsters. <laughs> Enjoy. And we you go eat hipsters. it up. It's like Ted Lucas. We're like, yes, yes. So I do, and I, I do so appreciate being on a list. That's yeah. so very nice. Yeah. It's a hell of a song. It's still a great song. I thought it would feel young. Like the angsty, you know, like that. But it really works for anything. It doesn't have to be like a romantic yeah. thing. Because I'm always rethinking 
when I'm performing stuff, like what it means. Oh, yeah. You got to find the thing that like still is honest or something. And they change. Yeah. So that is surprisingly, it, it felt like, oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I will bring up one more for the timekeeper then, because uh, you said a Costello. It was ten years ago that you and Costello traded traded licks. You were on his record. He was on Acid Tongue. Acid Tongue turns ten, and what a great record that is. Because I got to go back and I sort of just wanted to know what you remembered about about that. Because you, you see, Fernando sounded great. It was like this looser, cool record with the idea of Silver Lake at its peak, the Brooklyn of the the West Coast. You know, it was a thing happening. Yes, it was. And we were living in Silver Lake. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, yeah, it was a really, really fun record to make. And I shot a documentary. Uh, or not a doc. We just, like, shot everything we recorded. So I have this documentary that I actually screened before my tour mm-hmm. during the Acetung era. Like, that was the opening act, the making of the record. But it was, like, too soon to see the making of the record and then, like, watch the band play. <laughs> well, it's a nice concept. I get it. Yeah, it's a cool but it, concept. I feel like now is it's more interesting to watch something that's 10 years old. Yeah. So I'm hoping to um, put that out uh, at the 10-year mark, which is soon, right? It's it's Yeah, it's soon. When it's... is it, like... I don't. Do you know? I didn't you do know that. All this. I didn't I do that know. far. You know, no, I didn't. I What's got... the date, sir? <laughs> August twenty fourth. I don't know. When are we? <laughs> when are we? What is when today? Are we? Right now. Uh, right now, uh, Rilo Kylie is playing in our backyard <laughs> forever right and ever. Right now, it's a Van Halen song. It's a. I like. I like that song. I like that song gets shit on a lot. Wait, which one? Right now. Oh, why? Does right that... now. Right. Hey. That song's great. It's, it's great. Nothing wrong with that song. Yeah, I won't tell that to anybody else. I, I guess Van Halen people, that, but why? Fuck yeah, Van Halen. Know. There's like way worse shit out there. There's that. There's Van the other Halen's one. great. <laughs> I mean, there's the Gary Sharon record. You can hear. Poor Gary Sharon. Um, Who's Gary Sharon? He was the third Van Halen singer. The late 90s one. That's the one you hate on. Oh, is that the song? No, no, that's 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 still the second one. But there was another singer. It, I don't know what this. This is not going to make the airing. This is why <laughs> people want to hear this. They probably do. They don't want to hear boring. No, dates. we'll keep it. No offense. <laughs> well, there went my entire thread. No, I do find myself on tour and playing festivals where people like to talk about tour dates and mm-hmm. stuff. Mm-hmm. And like the only conversation that happens is like, and then I was down and. Houston, and then we went up to, and the, you're just like, oh, God, please. I try not to ask that I don't that care no. where I'm going. You know what I found interesting outside? Because it was, uh, a lot of times in these, uh, the bands don't get the mix. They don't know each other, or it's too hot, and they all stay in their trailers, or whatever. But it was uh, the folks from the War on Drugs, and His Golden Messenger, and... Phil uh, Cook. Uh, Phil Cook was out there. Yeah, I saw so Phil. so cool. Yeah, Phil's got a new single out, new record, I guess. Oh, but, uh, he's great. But they were all out there, and... Uh, and uh, and Adam from War on Drugs walks up and and he's talking with uh, the lead singer. He's called Messenger. I'm dropping his name. It's, it's initials. But he first thing he says like, "Hey man, so when are you gonna make a new record?" And I thought, "Man, that's the questions I ask." And they're asking that, and I don't feel so bad now because I always feel like a you know it's like oh, it's the music talk. But it's what I always appreciate about you because the last time we talked, you sort of. Uh, Spilled the beans? No. Surely. No, you're you're good about pushing me away from the usual. We were talking about, and I don't think we ever finished this. About what happens in your late 30s when you sort of go a little bit crazy. You sort of... What happens in your early 40s when you 
are still going <laughs> a little crazy. Uh, you're only a couple. You're a few years ahead of me. You're only three or four years ahead of me. So it's. Uh, I, I always. I, I'm asking you. You know, that's that's what I was doing. I was. I was like, what what what's going to happen to me? <laughs> in like three years. <laughs> I would say one thing. The road narrows. It's a riddle. No, no. It's just it just narrows. There are like less things yeah. that work. It's like. You, I think, have to be on somewhat of a spiritual quest in order to be happy, right? Like, I feel like alcohol, like, stuff works, but it doesn't, like, right. fully work. So you got to be in the mode of, like, working on shit. How's it Helping going? out a little bit. Just a little bit. Is this too hippy-dippy? No, it's not at all. Because I, I, what I was thinking is, you know, you've got a, um, you know, you're in, you're in sort of a lifestyle that allows you time. I guess there's a luxury of time. What you do with that time is sort of up to you because there's a lot of waiting around. And, and I don't know, you know, there's the between albums thing where you're not on tour. You know, what are you doing with your inner personal life? Oh, no. How are you doing Just to make you feel, feel better? You know, what are you? <laughs> no discipline. <laughs> That's what I'm getting that though. I mean, I, I see what you mean because, you know, if, if you've only got so many choices, those, it, to me, it would seem like those are the moments that you get to. Well, and I think the road narrows the older you get and you just, you know, you kind of have to deal with stuff, right? I don't know. I'll I'll let you know that you're right when I get there. You know, at this point, sure. (laughs) I trust you. All right. I can't wait to hear the actual studio versions of this record. I really can't. I'm looking so forward to it. I won't call it mellow. Until you hear it. And then if you think it's mellow, that's cool. It's unfair. I just heard some songs up there. I shouldn't. I have. mean, it's not like sleep. The ba- you know, it's not like metal. I see what that I've, I've struck a nerve just, like, with go, the word mellow. No. <laughs> <laughs> Shit. Maybe it is fucking mellow. Maybe it's not. I don't know. Maybe it is. Maybe it is. Maybe it is, Kyle. What's Maybe wrong it is with mellow. it? Yeah. What's wrong with mellow? Right. If it's a good song, it's a good song, right? Yeah. What's my problem with mellow? What's your problem with Why mellow? Why am I insecure about mellow? Yeah. What are you afraid of? It's like, oh, what a nice mellow record this is. I think it's easier to rock and, like, it's easier. It's, like, a go-to thing to rock because you can, like, fill the space with noise. And, like, at a festival especially, like, you rock, rock, rock. But we did one song today from Rabbit Fur Coat, that song Happy. Mm -hmm. So mellow. So mellow. And I feel like it was such a nice respite. Yeah. But it is difficult as a live performing artist just to like a live performer. That sounds so pretentious. Just <laughs> playing shows it, to balance like the mellow with the rockers. I mean, it worked out there. I have a hang up about it. <laughs> you got to It struck a nerve. We'll see. We'll see when it gets here. I mean, I don't think Party Clown is mellow, but <laughs> I mean. Well, since you don't know or the won't tell me mellow. when this will be out, I'll know when it happens. That's fine. You yeah. know, so. That's cool. All right. That's it. We're good. Bye. I got nothing else. It is Jenny Lewis uh, backstage at uh, Forecastle Festival in Louisville, Kentucky, 2018. And again, her new record is called On the Line. Always grateful. Big thank you to Jenny Lewis for that call today. If you haven't already, hit that subscribe button. You made it this far. You might as well listen to all the other interviews that we put out, uh, whether you're checking us out on YouTube, on Spotify, iTunes, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your uh, podcasts from. Hit the subscribe button. After that, you can head over to WFPK.org. That's where I do a show every Monday through Thursday from noon to 3 Eastern, where you can also find some bonus episodes of this series over there. Consequenceofsound.net has all of your music and film news needs. You can find me at Twitter at Kyle Meredith, Facebook slash Kyle Meredith. That does it for another edition. I'm Kyle Meredith. 
I'll see you next time. Consequence Podcast Network. Ah. The comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car selling command center. Thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.